It's the Seth Williams Show with Mike Kosoka. And here's your host, Seth Williams and Mike Kosoka. Welcome to the show. Another uh, Monday night. Very excited. Very excited tonight, Mike. How are you? I'm uh, really good. That might be a good golf day tomorrow. I this a hell of a lot better weather than we had last week this time. Is it supposed to be nice tomorrow? Fifty-five. Nice. Tomorrow might be the first day and only day I get out this week. So <laughs> good. Um, good. My mother-in-law unfortunately is having surgery on her hand today, mm. and so. Um, my wife and I are supposed to go down there and help her, right? And make sure that she's okay. Look nice. Get out of the house for a little while. Yeah, um, very excited about that. Very excited about tonight. Very excited that we have. Uh, oh, this little is John special. coming up. Little John coming up special. in just a couple of minutes. You know, excited to talk to him. It's been a long time. Of course, good friend of the uh, Triv Show, and haven't talked to him. I think I, I saw him last time. I saw John, and we'll talk about when we get him on. Just a couple minutes. I was at the Berea Rib, no, Bedford Rib Cookoff, and I was still in a wheelchair judging ribs. Um, and it was uh, early on in my uh, recovery. Right. So we'll, we'll talk to him though in just a few minutes. Uh, note for tonight. Uh, I'm going to end the show a little bit early tonight. A little bit early, just because. Um. Well, a little, kind of early. Uh, for tonight, just because I'm pulling double duty tonight. Yes. Um, On behalf of Chris. Chris Aiken, our, our good friend who's done a lot for this show and a lot for us, um, has asked me to fill in for him tonight on Chris Aiken Presents, happening at 8 o'clock tonight. And we're interviewing, uh, I'm going to be interviewing with Eric Ferentino's, a couple of bands, Winger and Tesla tonight. And so I have to do a lot of research. This is kind of a last-minute thing. He's got the flu or something, so I have to do a ton of research. I have to get something to eat and do a bunch of research to get this show going tonight. So Chris Aiken Presents, I will be uh, hosting with Eric Ferentino's tonight. Um, it should be fun. But You're going to do great. You're going to have a really good time. I'm nervous. I'm proud of the fact that uh, this has turned out to be more than a non-paying job. It's turned out to be like a close-knit family. Chris is sub for me. You're on your way out to cover for him. The things that go on back and forth support-wise and all that he's done for the show. Turn around be able to do that for him. Uh, I wish I could do more, but uh, break a leg tonight. Yeah, I already lost one. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm I nervous about doing it, but I think it's something that I, I should do because he's done so much for us. And again, he has filled in for me when I was sick and filled in for you and yep. you had some issues to, to deal with. And so... Uh, looking forward to it, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So sorry about ending the show a little bit early tonight, but we always have Wednesday. True. Um, I, I think we should just get going, right? I do too. And just one last before you bring them on, a little yeah. bit of show trivia. A lot of people might not know. That footage that makes up the beginning intro of our song that the music plays over. Yes. A lot of people don't realize that, but that is actual footage shot in downtown Cleveland when they announced that... Uh, Big Chuck and Little John would not be returning to the air, so that's that's why all the fire the hole they left in America. Yeah, that's why I played that. So, uh, all right, uh, hang on. 
Fantastic to be joined by Wow, Lil John Rinaldi. How are you, my friend? Good. How are you guys doing today? Good. Fantastic. Good. I heard you, you want to play golf tomorrow at 50 degrees? Uh, 55. 55. 55, right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'll play anyway. I, I played golf today at 59. It's the coldest day I've played golf in probably, you know, four months that I've been here in Florida. And I thought I was going to die. Wow. Wow. Well, so you know what happens when that happens. We get that kind of weather march in Cleveland. Everybody wears tank tops and flip flops. Exactly. And I had uh, sweatpants on, and, and well, actually, golf pants and you know, sweater and a shirt and a hat, a scarf. Wow. I was dying. Wow. But it turned out it's seventy five now, so the day got warmer. Uh, are, so, are you permanently in Florida, or are you just no, 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 no? The... Just, just I'm, I'm here seven months. I, I seven months down here. Uh, nice. What part? Sarasota. Okay. Sarasota. So I, I come down like right after Christmas and go home right before Memorial Day. And I, then I come back in middle of October and come right back to the Ohio in, oh, a couple days before Thanksgiving. Nice. How you feeling, John? Good. Good. No complaints. Uh, old age. <laughs> but besides that, <laughs> feeling okay. Well, it's so good to have you on because I, I know that... Uh, Cleveland, of course, would love to hear from you and loves to hear from you and want to check and see how you're doing. Last time I saw you was at the uh, Bedford Rib Cook-Off. Right. And I was still in a wheelchair and no leg there. And so it was, it was an interesting time. I'm happy to see. First of all, I didn't know you lost a leg. Then I saw it. Then second of all, uh, now I hear you got a prosthesis. Yes. So That's I'm kind of excellent. up and walking and, you know, having a good time now. But Good, good. Good. <laughs> So how long were you guys on the air? Well, we're still on. We're on. We're still, oh, I know on, that, but... <laughs> still on Sunday night at twelve thirty. But as far as the actual show, uh, I'll give you a little recap. Uh, there was Gulardi was from sixty three to sixty six, and then came Hulan and Big Chuck from sixty six to seventy nine, and then came myself from seventy nine to present day. And that's wow, that's, that's fantastic, man. Yeah. And that, uh, been a good run it's been a good run you started out where well i started in cleveland uh on fox 8 we've always been on channel 8 yeah i was gonna say always channel 8 right right yep right. and uh i started as a bit player i was there from you know with hulahan and big chuck and that and then when huli left i was the heir apparent and i became the co-host with chuck uh, we we have somebody that wants to come on real quick and, and talk to you. Um, I think he's a good friend of yours, if you don't mind. I'll add him to the uh, the show here. Tony. Good evening, guys. How are you? 
All right. Body, little Tony, what's happening, Tony? <laughs> so I got to tell you, I go way back. I was 29 years old. I opened up my frozen margarita business. And in the wintertime, obviously, I'm a great salesman. But in the February, it's tough to sell pina colada mix in Cleveland. So I start this popcorn company. And I see Big Chuck and Little John, and they're buried with popcorn before a commercial. So I called up the station. I got a hold of Big Chuck, and he said, you know what? Come and talk to us. So I stopped. He did stop right there on a dime. Yeah, dear God, man. Tony has the worst luck with, like, having internet my, connections. There he I, and I remember having my partner say, we're not going to sell anything on that show. Nobody watches that show. In two months, I sold 14 popcorn machines, <laughs> and I'm delivering them to bars, restaurants, and houses like in Pepper Pike and Moreland Hills. So fast forward, John and I became great friends, and we be, were golf partners for the last 30 years. That's right. So it's always nice to see you, John. Right, you know what? I'll, I'll drink to that, Tony, okay? Yeah. And, 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 and Johnny, and so will I. Actually, I'm at Cedar Creek, which is on Richmond yeah. Road and uh, Chagrin Boulevard here. Oh, I like it there. Yes, very nice. So anyways... Um, Again, as they say, the rest is history, and uh, John has been my golf partner, and my when we do scrambles, he's been my scramble partner, and he's got a great short game. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, man. Oh, appreciate it, Tony. Thank I love you. you, guys. Thanks Talk again, to you, John. Tony. I'll see you at the end of May. We're golfing. Okay, Talk you guys. You. Bye. Tony's always getting a plug-in for something. No matter what he does, he's always getting a plug-in. He yeah. happened to be he had to get the name of the bar that he's hanging at. Right. The kind of salesman. We ever get uh <laughs> we ever get uh big Chuck on, he's gonna call up and talk about you the whole time. <laughs> How's Chuck doing? Good, good. He's fine. Cool. He's happy living in Hinkley on his ranch out there. Is he feeling okay? Yeah, he's very healthy. All right, good. Listen. Um, I got. I, I just. I just want to say that I spent some time in L.A. I've been in New York and pitching ideas and stuff like that. And every time you approach a TV station about doing something, they say no because it's always cheaper to just run canned stuff and infomercials and network stuff that you can download, so on and so forth. Hats off to you guys and Fox Eight and Cleveland. Because you were talking about an uninterrupted string from when local TV took a chance on a show and started with Gilardi, and you guys are still on. I, I don't think that streak has been matched anywhere else in America. No, suppose if you look it up every now and then, somebody will come up, and I, I have, this is not me saying this. You're the longest-running television show of your kind in history. In, in history. In, okay, but... We're the only show of our kind. So it's pretty yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the re local TV, that's such an untapped. They could do and be so creative. You guys kept it real. It was hilarious. Well, I told, before we came on, I found something I had in my collection. It's a box set of uh, 32 drive-in movie cult classic films. I've never even opened it, but... I remember looking forward to the stuff that you guys had on and the 
comments and cutting in before commercials. And it was just, I, I, 79, I was 24 and still a kid. And I, my sense of humor and, and view of the world and stuff like that, you guys impacted a lot of lives. You just, thank you. Thank you. Well, it was pretty easy. Number of fact is that we were cheap to do the show. Yeah. We had, we had those class D movies. Right. And they, and Chuck and I did everything. We built the sets. We did everything. So it was a, you know, two man show. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, Chuck wrote the show and uh, I did everything outside you know, like personal appearances and things and booked all that. So it worked, worked very well. But as far as the cash outlay for Fox 8, by the time the first commercial was aired, we were paid. Okay. That's, okay. Yeah, no yeah, Okay. And then we were 100% sold out. When you watched our show, you never saw, you know, ads for this or, you know, PSIAs and everything like that. Yeah. We were 100% sold out. It was an easy sell. Wow. Uh, a lot of people are, are texting in how, how much they love you. Uh, Jake says, Big Truck and Little John skits are the best. A lot of bits and stuff I've put together for on and off air was made with inspiration from Big Truck and Little John. They're the best. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Scott wants to know, how did that opening come together? Uh, the one you just saw? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because we did like four openings, four different openings, five different openings. Uh that one, again, like I said, Chuck wrote the show and he came up with that idea. And, and, and the beauty of it, we had a guy by the name of Dick Goddard. Obviously, everybody knows him. Yes. And he, he went along with it. Here, you are, here we are blowing down a hall, blasting the weatherman, you know, the, the number one weatherman in the, in the city. And he went right along with it. He was a slapstick guy. And a lot of the things that we did back then, you couldn't do now. I mean, I don't know if Fox 8 would let us run down the hall anymore. Yeah, right. Then <laughs> property, exactly. You know, falling and hitting and exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, that's what 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 has changed about TV? Because you know, obviously, cable came along. You do all this crap on cable and stuff, but TV, local TV, just isn't the same. It's not as fun as it used to be. And well, they don't they don't have local TV like they had it back then. Right. Not as only besides the talk shows in the morning things like that. There's no lo like shows like ours anymore. No. That's done. That's gone. And that, uh, and plus, uh, people want everything fast, real quick. The, the young people, they want everything real, real fast. Where ours, the skits used to take a little time for you to think about the, the punchline and everything. Exactly. So. You know, what's funny, though, is, is that, I don't know if you even realize it. Do you have TikTok? No. Me? All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm lucky, I'm lucky what I'm saying is, is that I went to TikTok and I looked up Big Chuck and Little John, and even on TikTok, there's a ton of stuff. That's well, YouTube, YouTube, and that were big on that. Uh, but even TikTok, found, big everywhere. Opening there, I found the laugh there. All this stuff is on TikTok. So even the younger generation, if you want to call it that, are, are still loving what you guys did and do. I mean, it's it's amazing, it really is. Thank you. I like it when you know, somebody comes in up to me and they'll be with their dad or grandfather, whatever they're with, and they're like nine years old or ten years old, and they'll say. Isn't that the guy we saw on YouTube or, you know, like, yeah. on the commercials? I mean, that makes me feel good that somebody recognized that. We're in our fourth generation. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You guys had a, a good relationship with Trip, though, and you guys oh, tremendous. up with um, Coach for How did you get involved with Trip? Well, I knew Trip when he was a teenager. When we were did kids. you really? I didn't know that. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he was from, you know, Mayfield Heights area out there. And he went to Brush, and a lot of guys I hung out with were from Brush and everything. 
And uh, we just got to know each other. And I knew his brother, Gary. And from that, we just talked and, and we got along. We really did get along. I mean, everybody's, oh, man, he's salty. He's this, is that. He was the salt of the earth. He was, he, he'd give you the shirt off his back if you knew him and, you know, he liked yeah. you and everything. How was he as a teenager, though? <laughs> he, was, he was obnoxious. <laughs> and, that, and he, and as, as, he got in fights and everything, but he got it. He got his butt kicked a couple times. A lot of times. Okay. <laughs> I could see that. I could... <laughs> um, Gilardi fest. You guys did that for so many years. And uh... right. And we keep saying we're going to bring it back, but we can't, it, it just won't work. It, it just won't work with the, uh... well, COVID killed it. Really? COVID killed it and everything. Cause once we've been gone for like three years and then trying to get vendors back and trying to get a, a venue and, and we wanted to keep it reasonable and, and everything got so expensive to rent, you know, holiday Inn to rent a holiday Inn and everything, and then charge, you know, a couple bucks to get in. It, it just didn't work. We, uh, so I, I don't truthfully, I know people are saying, let's do it again one more time and everything. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. It's sad, man, because I I took my daughter to to Glory oh, Fest. And... It was a, it was it was a good family fun time. I mean, it was a great yeah, it was a great yeah. time, and we made sure that every vendor that was there was family friendly, and you know there was no X rated DVDs being sold, and so you could bring anybody. You could like your daughter. You could bring your daughter. She could look at anything and not be you know freaked out or anything. It was a blast. How did you get involved in Glory and all that? Well, Glory was from Chuck. Yeah, uh, Chuck was with with Gullardi and everything, and then uh, how I started was I don't know if you guys remember Dick Blake. Uh, he, he was a dancer and dressed for success, and yeah. he's still around. And he, he had dance studios and everything. And he used to always call Chuck and say, "Hey, do you need anybody?" Because he it was a feather in his cap if Chuck put anybody on the show uh, that came from his studio and everything. And uh, he called Chuck one day and Chuck said, uh, hey, do you know, uh, do you, no. he said, do you need anybody? He says, yeah, I need a little girl. And Chuck says, and he said, I don't have a little girl. But he said, but I have, a, I know a little guy. And he says, who? And he goes, you know, John Rinaldi. And it turns out that Chuck thought that I was Dr. Rinaldi, which was my uncle, was, was his son. We're not, and, and Chuck, that was Chuck's doctor. He was a kid and everything like that, my uncle. So he thought, oh, wow, I know him. So, And so he gave me a call. And he called me, and I remember answering the phone and in the jewelry store. And I go, uh, Mr. Nelly, may I help you? And he goes, Big Chuck here. And I go, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, Nobody says that. Meanwhile, I call people now and go, hey, little John here. And he, he wanted me to do a skit, the Bridge of the Midget. And... and you know, we have over 2,000 skits. This is, number one, the only skit we ever did on a Saturday night and the only skit we did in a bar that, well, at that time was TV8, picked up the bill for anybody that was in the bar that wanted beer and everything like that. So he said, we're going to do it at Bonnie's Lounge in Fairview Park. And me, I was an East Side guy. And to go to the West Side, it was like, you know, that's that's a big move. Oh, yeah. And, and he says, he says I'll, I'll send you all. Now, don't forget, this is 19, you know, 69 or 68. Uh, so when I was doing a skip and he he says, yeah, I'll send you all the material. Get it. So I, I, I didn't get anything. 
and he calls me up a couple days later. He says, hey, did you get all that stuff? I says, no. He says, oh, we'll do it anyway. You could do it. You know, no problem. You could do it. And he was one of these guys that he had, he had his timetable. I mean, he was like focused when it came. He said, I said, he said, here's all you need to do. You know, you need combat boots. You need a dress. You need a wig and this and that. And I said, no problem. I can get all those. So I went in my sister's closet and got a dress and a wig. And then my, my buddies just came back from Nam, So I got their combat boots. So he, when he says it's Bonnie's Lounge on West 222nd Lane, I said, no way. So I took three buddies with me. And so three guys go with me and uh, we get to the door and pull it and it's locked. And I said, man, Dick Blake just wanted to get even with me. <laughs> okay. So for screwing around with him. And then the door opens and it was Chuck and he goes, you know, come on in. And he locked the door and I said, what is this? So he goes, well, because Fox 8 was picking up, TV was picking up all the, the beer. He says, if you leave, you can't come back. And you can't, there were no cell phones back then. So you couldn't okay. make a phone call and tell all your buddies to come. And so we said, okay. So he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this song by Ray Stevens. And he said, you know, after about 20 minutes, you're going to lose the audience. Because it takes a long time to do a skit. People don't realize that. You know, for every minute you see on the air, it takes an hour. Because, uh, as you know, editing yeah. and, you know, all, all that stuff. So he said, you're going to lose it after an hour or 20 minutes. I said, yeah, no problem. So I kept doing it. You know, and I, I, I did screw around my whole life. So it's not like I just walked in. Okay. <laughs> and I was flipping my dress and, you know, doing all this stuff and that. And I find out later, look, Chuck asked me, he goes, would you like to play basketball with the Hulan Big Chuck All-Stars? And he just said that to be kind to me because he thought I'd say no. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem and everything. And what he didn't know was that when I was in college, we had a intramural team and we we're called Four Mooses and the Meese. And I had four All-Americans on my team and me. So all he did was rake the boards and give it to me and I'd shoot, rake the boards, give it to me and I'd shoot and everything. So it was fun. I mean, and I knew, and I didn't know how to play basketball. And so I remember going to the first game and I'm sitting on a bench. Obviously, I don't know the starter, I'm not anything. And I hear Hulan and say to Chuck, what are we going to do with him? And Chuck says, well, we got to put him in. I, I brought him here and everything. So they put me in like the last three minutes, you know, of the, the half. And they saw that I could play basketball and then the rest is history. Then I just kept on going. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, what were your, some of you, like, people are asking, like, about your favorite skits. <clears throat> just a couple of the favorite things you got to do. Well, I don't really have a favorite, favorite skits. Uh, the one that really sticks out is troglodytes. And it's a caveman, cavewoman, and everything. And that, that was like my fourth skit that I ever did. And I damn near drown on that skit because I can't swim. And and Chuck says, don't worry about it. Just run in the water. You know, I ran in the water. And it was like off a boat ramp. Boom, right down. Okay. And he's he's doing this, directing this, directing that. If it wasn't for his son, Michael, who was 16 at the time, that saw me, he came in and got me out. <laughs> so, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I died. But I, I, no, I but still. Yeah. But uh, but anything that Chuck said, it, 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 right now, if Chuck came in my house and said, I want you to run square through that wall, I would do it uh, without even hesitating, without touching the wall, without doing anything. Because he, you know, beforehand, he fixed everything. He made sure everything was right, everything was good, and everything like that. And so I could do everything in that. And very, very rarely did we get hurt. We, we did get hurt. I mean, uh, a couple times. One, one time we were doing a skit where uh, Rick DeShant was supposed to pick me up 
and throw me through the weather set. And but we and again we we weren't stuntmen and we we didn't have props like they we we borrowed every cushion and everything we could from every chair at Fox Eight and you know put it behind the <laughs> behind the set and everything. And so Rick DeChant picked me up and threw me. And he, he got excited and he, his adrenaline was running. He threw me right past the cushions, <laughs> right on a concrete oh. floor. Oh. Boom. And I, I was stunned for a minute. And, and you can hear, if you ever see the skit, you can hear in the background, he's dead. <laughs> the camera lady said, she, he's dead. Okay. And uh, anyway, so things like that. And a couple times, uh, well, one time I broke Chuck's ribs, you know, doing a skit, a kung fu skit. And uh, one time I smashed my face. Well, again, we got hurt, broke his arm. I mean, but. We did our own stunts. We did everything. We were too stupid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's skits now that if you ask me to do, I say, are you insane? Right. <laughs> you know, like, like we did one walking on a ledge on top of Channel 8. It's a ledge on, on top of a building. About It was probably uh, 18 inches wide. And him and I are doing a dueling skit back to back or walking on this thing. Uh, I would never get up there now. Yeah, well, now without a net, jeez. <laughs> Nothing. Now I fall down. Nothing. You die. Okay. Wow. But, uh, Gunner wants to know was John there when the dog beat Mushmouth on yes. the eating contest? That's Chris the Fireball, was the, was the dog's name. And he was from Bonnie's Lounge in Fairview. Uh, oh, that's, really? that's where that dog came from, right? Wow. I was actually in the audience, you know, when that happened, because right after that, because we, we taped on certain days. So they did the pizza fight, and then right, or it's either before or after I did a skit, or I, you know, then I would do a skit right after that. I got to tell you something, though. I've, I've spent my whole life as a comic. You know that. We've yes, talked yes, I do. Days, yeah. But I got to tell you something. Uh, Seth asked you, what's your favorite skit? And you said, well, I don't have a favorite, but then all kinds of memories come to light. Oh, yeah. But the thing about it I remember is, I don't care. I laughed at every single one of them. You, you, I, you, there wasn't one where everybody goes, oh, that one sucked. That well, never happened. That, it's funny because when we go somewhere, somebody say, oh, my favorite skit is, yeah. and I go, oh, my God, that was one of the worst ones we ever did or something oh. like that. And, 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 <laughs> and, and Like I said, we did over 2,000 skits. And if somebody said and started it, I could end it. I knew yeah. exactly. I can. You I knew all. The, I still know Absolutely. to this day. I still know all the skits. Ask me what I had for breakfast. I have no clue. <laughs> man, but I, that I, that, it was a good time in my life. It was it, fun. It was. It showed, man. You guys. That's the thing about it is keeping it real. The fact that it was, it, it felt live. It felt spontaneous. It felt like you were there. That was part of the magic of the show. And the reruns, the energy still plays through. You still get that feeling watching the show. Well, you're, you're talking about two really non-professionals. Yeah. You know, Chuck was a director at Fox 8, and I had a you know jewelry store. I worked in the jewelry business, and this was part-time for us. I mean, now think about this. We lasted all these years. We never had a contract. Amazing. Wow, never, I didn't know that. Never had a contract. Huh. We'd look, and in the early days, they used to send out a form that, that showed the programming for the next three months. What was meant, and we'd look at it and go, Oh, we're still on. Wow. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. I mean, see, that's one thing that you know, we've talked about on the show before. You and, and Chuck are icons of this town, and I mean, you really are. And yep, 
and Cleveland doesn't have a lot of those anymore, and they're not making them like they used to. I mean, the news people aren't the same anymore like they used to be, and having you and, and Chuck in this town has it, been a blessing, and you guys are just icons and always will be. But it, it, we came along at the right time. We, we really did. I mean, we came along for 50 years, but it was the right time. The right time is a long time. (laughs) No kidding. Classic dumbfounded, confused look you do facing the camera. That's the punchline classic. Yep. Yep. Hey, people, I mean, miss the old days. I mean, people are really happy to see you, and they're really excited. Well, that's that's the thing, and I say this all the time. I had two happy businesses. Obviously, the jewelry store was very happy business. People came in. They were happy. They wanted to get engaged and birthday gift, anniversary, and this and that. Then I had TV, and I had a show that made people laugh. Yeah. I mean, what else can you ask for? So uh, it, it was fun. And, uh, and, and again, everywhere we went, everybody was happy to see us. We never, never, we never worried about, like, somebody rushing us and beating us up or whatever. Because uh, we're just we're out there. I got to ask you this. I lived eight years in Florida myself and seven months down there and being in the same uh, place year after year with the amount of people I know have moved to Florida from Cleveland and the license plates you see down there. I bet when you're out, you get just as recognized in Florida as you do East side, West side of Cleveland. Not as much, not as much down here, but I do get recognized every day. I mean, yeah. there's always somebody uh, that recognizes me or somebody says, Oh my God. Uh, you were here the other day and the people over there said, do you know who that is? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously yeah. they don't. So yeah, no, but people in Cleveland travel, like you say, they, 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 they do travel. I've never gone anywhere in, in the world, in, in Africa, Italy, England, wherever I've been, France, that somebody didn't recognize me because people in Cleveland travel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they they travel, but too many of them don't come home. <laughs> well, down, I'll tell you, down here, there's nobody going to be left up north. They are coming in droves down here. This yeah. is not a sleepy little town anymore. No. Yeah, all right, this is a good memory. What was the reaction when you got uh, when you interviewed Marvin Lewis about preparing for uh, Johnny? <laughs> well, I, I tell you, he took it pretty good, and uh, it was. Uh, what that was, was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard or ever okay. seen. <laughs> what, well, first of all, I'm not a news guy. That's number one. And then right. the, they, they just plugged me in, but I did work for Fox 8. And what it was is he called uh, Johnny Manziel, the little midget running around in the back, back <laughs> field. Okay. And so then on his press conference, they sent me down to interview him for his press yeah. conference. And I asked him about it. And he was he, he did a pretty good job about you know, skirting around it and everything. And I really felt sorry for the guy. He only made a mistake. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. And he was right. He was too short of a quarterback. Yeah, he was. (laughs) That was hysterical. Um, I remember Triv used to get so mad at me because you'd come on to promote Gallardi Fest and Triv would look at me and go, all right, did you get some skits to play on on the air? I'm like, Triv, it's the radio. (laughs) Like, what am I supposed to play? Right. And he'd get so angry because I didn't get the right ones. I didn't get a skit, but but he was always so excited to have you on. And it was always such a good time to have you on when you were at the benefit uh, for coach for kids. I remember people in the audience were just so thrilled that you and Chuck were there. It was just such a good time. And I know that I appreciated it. And I know he did too. All the stuff you did for charity as well. Well, wait, I'm a big guy in charities. I I really do. I, 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 I figured 
the city's been so good to me. People have been so good to me. I should give back to them. You know, you glossed over that when you were talking about all the things that you did and how you became part of the show. And you said Chuck did all the inside stuff and you did all the outside stuff. And you just said charities and kept on with the list of other things. But I posted that you were going to be on the air and I got a comment I have to pass on from a listener or somebody watches our show, but also a comic that remembered you doing a celebrity pool tournament just to do and raise money way back in the day. So people still remember you for all of that work you've done as well. well I said, uh, thank you. Thank you. That pool tournament, I remember too. That was down in the flats. And boy, all of a sudden, I hate to say this. Uh, my memory's going. He just came to Cleveland. He's still in Cleveland. And he's the weatherman uh, for Channel 3, uh, the big guy. Uh, he was on 6 o'clock. Now he's on the early show. And, uh, I can't think of his name. But that was his first time in Cleveland. And he was doing a charity event with me. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I'm assuming you retired from the jewelry business. Yeah, I did. I but if somebody needs something, they can give me a call and I can get it. And it's only for people I know and friends uh, that I do it. And just to keep my hands in something to do something. So and it's a fun business, like I said. Again, I, I told the story the other day. One of my favorite times in my life. Um, it sounds strange, but it's not for me. Is you know, I grew up listening to Triv. I obviously grew up watching you and Chuck. And uh, one night we went out to dinner. It was Triv and his wife, you and your wife, and I think Tony was there also. We went downtown to a restaurant, Colin Hubbard restaurant. Yes, and I was sitting there, and I was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I'm having dinner with Little John and and Triv." And like, it, it, I was like giddy. It was just so exciting because you one of the great things about you, John, is that you're just so down to earth and so sweet and so uh, and I, caring I, I, about this, everything. I remember, the city. That, I remember that night distinctly, distinctly, because we went to they took us to the back room and put us in that back room and everything. Yeah. But Triv came in and he had pajama bottoms on. It was pajamas. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is Colin Hubbard. Okay, everybody's in a suit at that time. Everybody's in a suit, dressed real yeah. nice. Your wife was beautiful. Everybody's okay. And he's got his pajamas on. <laughs> and I looked at him, I go, where'd you get those? He goes, oh, he said, these are the greatest things in the world. He said, uh, they even have a fly in it, he told me. <laughs> in his pajamas. I says, oh, okay, I got it. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple times I asked him when we were going out to dinner. I said, so what should I wear? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, do I need to wear a tie or a coat or anything? No, just wear whatever you want to wear. <laughs> but it was such a great pleasure to, to sit down with you, and it's always a pleasure to see you, and I, I thank you for coming on tonight. So thank oh, you. thank you for having me, and good luck with the show. Please. Thank you. I think um, I think it's uh, we're getting better. Not great, but we're getting better. But uh, thank you, and I really appreciate it. My hey. In another 48 years, you'll match us. And there I'll we see. go. Yeah. And you can interview me again. We're on our way. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, but thank you again, John. Much appreciated. Thank you. You guys have a good evening. Let's Bye get together once you're back, okay? Not not a problem there. Cool. Problem. Okay. All right. Love Talk you, John. Take care. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Uh, little John Rinaldi. Fantastic. It was good talking to him. Always. Uh, he's, he's a fun guy, nice guy, and again, one of the you know, again, Cleveland doesn't have a whole lot of icons, period. But uh, he, he's one of the special ones. 
and gracious enough to come on this show of all things. Yeah. And uh, he was a friend of the Triv show, friend of Triv, and I consider uh, hopefully a friend of mine and yours. And, and I that think was cool. so. And and the thing too, like you echoed, uh, Triv, Big Chuck, Little John, Dick Goddard. The character still matters, man. It still matters. Yeah, and because uh, that's what separates guys like those and women too from everything and everybody else. Yep. He's one of the best, no doubt. Uh, we got to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> what separates Triv's Restaurant in Strongsville from everybody else? Some restaurants you go to to eat the same thing over and over and over. But then there are restaurants like Triv's, where you want to go there every single time and eat something different until you have eaten every single item on the menu. Why? Because the food's delicious and it has been for almost a quarter of a century. Triv's has amazing food, outstanding service, and an opportunity for you to have private dining, special events, and intimate occasions. You can enjoy a memorable fine dining experience in your own dedicated intimate space. Visit Triv's in the heart of Strongsville. Call now for reservations, 440-238-8830. Triv's in Strongsville. Joe Burdick custom flags are amazing. Each flag is handcrafted to reflect the imperfect perfection making each piece of patriotic wall art unique. This is a local small business, veteran-owned and proud. Joe Berta creates symbolic artwork that is built to last. Display your spirit, pride, and patriotism by calling 440-305-2065 and let Joe's flag serve you. 440-305-2065. Joe Burdick Flags. Let me introduce you to Charlie's Auto Repair. Any car, any truck, any problem, Charlie's does it right. You know how it is. The check your engine light comes on, you put air in the tires, and the light is still on. 216-470-0170. That's Charlie's Auto Repair. 13728 Madison in Lakewood. Charlie can do it all from small engine repair to fleet maintenance and system diagnostics. Winter is here, so call Charlie's Auto Repair for snow plowing needs. 216 470 0170. Charlie's Auto Repair. Let Charlie make your car great once again. Back here on the Seth Williams Show with Mike Tzaka. Um, A couple of things real quick after the commercial break. Thanks to John Rinaldi for joining us. Little John, the best. Um, he actually thanked me during that break for having him on, and it was nice to be remembered. I mean, come on, John. Come on. Uh, nobody is ever going to forget John and Big Chuck. And, you know, again, I, I wasn't blowing smoke when I said that those guys are Cleveland icons. I listen and I'll repeat something I said to you when we talked during the break too. you know, 
the charity work, the humility, the down to earth, him, Triv, uh, uh, little or big Chuck, all the men and women and stuff like that. Dick Goddard character still matters, man. And, uh, they had it in spades. That's what separates people like them from anything and everybody else. And it still matters. But at the same time, I, I think that unfortunately times are changing and it's rare. And, some people don't believe that. Some people definitely don't believe uh, that, <laughs> that character, character matters. matters. Well, they're wrong. Uh, super humble, humble and talented. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a couple of different things. With that commercial break, I want to give my best to uh, Triv Jr. I know he's got some stuff. And I want to say uh, same as Joe Burdick. Uh, Burdick Custom Flags. Uh, dealing with some stuff right now. So good luck to those guys. Also, I want to give a, a shout out to Charlie, Charlie's Auto Repair, and Lakewood. I've been talking to Charlie. I got to get my car fixed up. Um, I need to get my car so I can drive it. I need hand controls put in, so I know he's looking into that for me. Oh, good, uh, good. You know, no matter what it costs at this point, well, it does matter what it costs because. <laughs> yeah. I need to get on the road, and I can't wait for the state of Ohio. I can't wait for. All this junk, red tape crap. Uh, I need to get uh, working, and I need to get uh, out there before there is no more work to be had. Uh, we'll get into that in just a sec. Big Chuck's yeah, just a sec. Me. Big Chuck's mother taught me home back at Cleveland Central Catholic, seventy-four to seventy-eight. Huh. That's cool, Randy. Um, yeah, there there might not be any work left by the time I get my uh, car fixed and. All these damn doctors to fill out all the papers that they have to fill out. So I need to be a hit and road, Jack, and get a job. Um, did you see the story? Hell yeah. I brought it up. It's I got it in front of me. Go ahead. All right. Do you want me to bring everybody up to speed? This isn't yeah, a long read. Uh, McDonald's has begun testing its first ever robot restaurant in Texas. Uh, sparking debate and intrigue in equal measure. So that's the coverage it gets, like the, like it's neutral. In Fort Worth, the branch is fully automated and requires no human contact in order to pick up your favorite meal. The uh, um, what you call it? Uh, it's too big a picture. McDonald's explained in a statement that the restaurant includes new features, including the order ahead lane where customers can receive their order on a conveyor belt. The restaurant is the latest move in McDonald's, quote in quotes, accelerating the arches growth strategy, which is working on innovation for to improve customer experiences. When you step inside the test restaurant, you'll notice it's considerably smaller, and that's because they're going to cater to people who plan to dine at home or on the go. Inside the restaurant, there's delivery pickup room for couriers. There are kiosks where customers place their order. And dig this to make the handicapped parking situation worse, Seth. Outside the restaurant, there are several parking spaces dedicated to curbside order pickup, as well as designated parking spaces for delivery officers or offers. Drivers, the introduction of the new technology has divided people online who were unsure about the ethical impact of the change. Well, there goes millions of jobs. If they go through it, it'll just boycott McDonald's. Their food is not that good anyway. And it will put many people out of work. 
Newsweek has reached out to McDonald's for comments. So that's where that story comes from. It comes from Newsweek. But uh, once again, and we have said this before um, when we've talked about issues and stuff, why is it that by the time we get to sit and talk and debate about it, it's already here? Especially given the fact that once it's already here, you never put the genie back in the bottle. So get used to it, folks. McDonald's is working towards no humans, just machines to make your food. Gunner says they can't get people to work. I refuse to believe that. I, that that I, is I, such horse at crap. The same time, at the same time, I will say this. Um, you may not be able to get a lot of adults to work there. I mean, that, that may be true. Yeah. Because I think some adults think that it's above them. And with kids, this... This new generation of kids, I truly believe, doesn't have a damn clue what they're doing when it comes to actual work. I know for a fact, because I know a teenager that has a job at one of these fast food kind of restaurants, um, and they're not allowed to call off. If they're sick or anything like that, they need a note from a doctor saying that they're sick, and that's the reason they're not going to be at work. Because you, you can't believe it. Because the kids are lying and they're taking as yeah. many days off as they could possibly take off. And there's no work ethic when it comes to these kids. I don't know if it comes from the parents. I don't know what it comes from. But these kids have no work ethic and they don't care like they used to. Let okay? me put two and two together. Growing two. up back in the day, I'm sure you had a job and it meant something to you to work. Yeah. Not only that. Anything to these kids. I had a job. You want to stop that? This is for all the parents out there. Don't let your kids move back in the house with you when they're 23, 24, 25 years old. Tell them to get a job and get the hell out of your life. You raised them already. Let them go be the adults you tried to be. That's part of the problem, too. There's kids 20, 30, 40 years old move back home. And you know what? With that kind of lazy-ass attitude, 20 years later down the road, when mom and dad get sick and they need help, those kids are going to sit on the couch and watch mom and dad scrounge to get to pay for someone else to come in the house and take care of them because their kids won't have the ethical this to take care of their parents. Uh, this robot stuff is absolutely absurd, and I would not patronize any place that does this. Well, God. I mean, Natalie, I, I I hope they wouldn't, but I, I think that's unrealistic. I mean, wait, people are just going to stop going to McDonald's? I doubt that. But you know what? Uh, yeah, you can. This is what I tried to talk about the other day when we had our guest on Dave Bray. Yeah. And you guys were talking about you know, bringing everybody together and we're going to all sing songs and sit around the church and, and break bread. No, we're going to get. Well, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. You're never going to get people to agree on all this stuff. So you're sure. not going to get the majority of people to say, I'm not going to McDonald's. Uh, I mean, you have supposedly 8 billion people that voted for this president and 8 billion others that voted for the other one. Um, you're never going to get people to agree enough to stop this stuff from happening. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not the case. Would I go? I'd like to say no, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't really go to McDonald's now because that's not the stuff that I eat anymore. But would I not go to McDonald's for my daughter or something like that because it has robots? No, I'm guessing I'd still go. If the food's good, maybe it'll be better because it's not you know, made it was, by some, It's yeah. never been I don't good have to worry about a robot. I don't have it's to worry convenient. about. A, I don't have to worry about a robot spitting on my food. Yeah, but you or know not, what? You know. Once the truck pulls up and there's nobody human inside, and the deliveries start coming at night, there's no human being inside the restaurant to guarantee that what they're putting in the conveyor belt is really food. 
well, I'm assuming that <laughs> I work at a bank call center and people fake uh, bereavement. Yeah, people so one thing we're good at. It is the totally is the last totally unabridged freedom in this country is the freedom to lie as much as you want and be as stupid as you want to be. That's the only thing people go. Well, it's their right. Let them do it. A wise man once said Americans are the greatest gamblers of all time. Yeah. And I find that to be very accurate. Start working at 15, two hours after school, full time every summer break. My school loved it. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. And here's what happened. When I was 17 years old, after working for two, three years, my grandmother got sick. My dad moved the whole family to California, and he cleaned out everybody's bank account to help with the move. So there you go. I haven't been in McDonald's in about three years, Burger King probably 12 years. I mean, I, I, I told the story the other day about how last time I was at a McDonald's, I went in. And I just wanted to grab my daughter something to eat before she went to work. And I stood by the counter because the drive through was packed. Yeah, yeah. And so I went inside because I thought it might be quicker to get food in there. And they had the two kiosk things. But I wanted to just order at the counter because I actually had like a code on my phone to use to get a discount or whatever. And <clears> I didn't want to figure it out on these stupid kiosk things. I just wanted to talk to an actual person so I could make my you. order and do it easily. And without pushing 15,000 buttons that other people have pushed. And while I'm standing there in line at the key art, the counter, four people come in, use the kiosk, <laughs> end up getting their food before their food. I do. While I'm still sitting there like a jackass waiting for an actual person to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. I've laid it down, laid down the law a little bit with my kids, though. You know, she's working now. And I appreciate the fact that she's working. But I've laid down the law saying, you ain't, you ain't quitting this job. You know, Hell, another we'll job. Wait- you don't like your job, then you're going to find another job while you are still working at this one. Right. But I, I it's told a lot you, easier to find a job while you have one than when you don't. And you are not going to be a quitter here. You're going to bust your ass, do your job. And you want to find another one, find another one. Listen, I, I don't mind saying it again. I've told you face to face this based on the way you raised your daughter and based on the uh, Molly that I know in six months, she's going to be a manager. She's going to run circles around those people. Yeah, well, I I appreciate that, but I, I I just want to instill the fact that you you know you take a job you're going to do it. Yeah, and you know it's it's not a life sentence, but if you want a different one, you don't like what you're doing, then you have the ability to look for something else. But you look for a job while you have one. You know, the dichotomy for years has been this, and we've never addressed it, come to grips with it. It's just that. Uh, I, I would agree with this comment, by the way, too, Natalie. Um, but here's the thing. Everybody wants a job that with two six-month paid vacations a year where they don't have to work and they make $100,000 a year minimum. That's what the, they want to do for a job and a career. And then everything they want to own, they want to go online to Amazon and buy it for 99 cents. So they want everything to be free and they want to make a lot of money and not work. I, and how do you pull that economy off? That's not capitalism, and that's not socialism. That's just stupid. My friends all said I was crazy yeah. working on summer breaks full time, but getting a paycheck every Friday changed their minds real quick. Isn't that? Well, that's the other thing. You know, and 
it's so weird because you know I remember being, you know, sixteen years old and I had a job at Bob Evans. I was a busboy and yeah, hated it, despised it. Um, but you know, it was nice, you know, getting that money. I'm trying to tell my sure. daughter, like, look, man. You want to buy the next Elvis thing because she's big in Elvis. You want to buy right. that little Elvis doll. You want to die, whatever. Then you're going to have to work for it. But not only that, Seth, it means more to her. It does. Because she bought it. Nobody gave it to her. It's hers. It's not a gift from you. It's hers. She bought it. There. That's a lesson you can't just tell somebody about. They got to experience it. They got to do it. When I was 13, 14, I asked my dad for an allowance. He says, you already have one. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I allow you to live in my house for free. <laughs> yeah. That was my dad. Yeah, I, I do agree. The parents these days are probably part of the problem, if not you know, the biggest I don't part get of the problem. I, I think schools are kind of the problem, too. I mean, I hate to well, say that. I yeah, don't but think the same message is being taught that, that, that it used to. Talk to an actual person today in any situation is a joke. People do not know how to talk. Everything is texting. She's you. She has no idea how right she is. Oh, yeah. There was a recent survey. I think I brought it up, but it's certainly in my act. If you want to come see me talk about it at length sometime, 63% of this generation that they polled would rather text than have an actual phone conversation. They don't when they pick up the phone, they don't even try to call somebody. They just automatically text that person. And oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I had a phone conversation today with somebody um, because we were actually texting back and forth about something. What? And uh, and I got it. I sent another text and immediately got a call back. And I said, "Thank you, God, for calling me back." Yeah. And they were like, "Why?" I was like, "Because I'm so tired of my my fingers are texting. You know, it's so much easier just to have a conversation on the phone." So we can hear how each other sounds. We can <laughs> convey the message without, you know, all kind of different, you know, period, exclamation point. We can have an actual conversation without texting. But the younger generation is all about it. Pay attention to this, too, sometime. Right now, there is a commercial on TV running for Golden Corral. In the commercial, mom's in the restaurant. And she's got her daughter and probably her daughter's friend. They're teenagers. And the mom is lamenting the fact that, oh, look, this is the way kids today talk to each other. They're not talking. They're texting on another. Talking means having a conversation. Talking means saying, oh, my God, look at the size of this golden breaded shrimp. And the girls <laughs> go, oh, my God, they have golden breaded shrimp. And they look at each other. And, they are. and the mom says out loud, that's what a conversation's all about. And then she turns, holds up the shrimp, and whoever she's with takes a selfie, takes a picture of her with the thing. So mom goes right back to making sure that social media isn't denigrated in any way, shape, or form. And if you knew how much of a science is behind advertising, to push the right buttons and do the right thing to affect the most amount of people, they did that on purpose, and the whole thing as a commentary it, it sucks. It just blows. But, you know, at the same time, and I know that you and I have talked about this before a little bit, where do you draw the line between being just an old ass that doesn't want to deal with technology and, and new stuff and saying, well, this just isn't right. I mean, we need to get back to family values, family morals, family 
I don't mind that. But here's the thing. People lament that those things are going away. And this is what this is what I mean about both sides are wrong. The people piss each other off and think, well, the left is doing it and the right is slow and catching up and the left is trying to change all this. And why we do back and forth, back and forth, the decisions to take those emotions and those standards and those morals away, big business makes those and we're stuck dealing with it. Who's had a conversation as to whether or not everything Eisenhower said back in the 50s, any technology or any corporation that has the technology to take away people's jobs should also have the intelligence of how to replace them. And we're not holding anybody accountable. We're just standing there looking for something to blame, bitch, moan, and vent. And in the meantime, the advance the arches, which was, you know, in the article uh, with quotation marks, is a program that McDonald's developed, and it started years ago, when we were still hoping that Manziel would bring us to a Super Bowl. There's that. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. As I said before, earlier on in the show, um, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to end a little bit, uh, well, yeah, a little bit early tonight. Um, I'm filling in double duty time for Chris Aiken tonight. Chris Aiken presents. Um, Chris has done a lot for this show, a lot for us. Um, so he's under the weather. So I'm going to fill in tonight at eight o'clock. I got to host uh, Chris Aiken presents. You can look that up online. There's a whole network. Chris Aiken yeah. Network. Um, so check that out. Chris Aiken presents tonight at eight o'clock. Going to be interviewing Winger, the band, uh, fantastic stuff, and Tesla, um, one of my favorites and my wife's favorites. So looking forward to that. But I got to do a lot of research and stuff, and I got to go out and grab some dinner and all that. So uh, unfortunately, going to wrap stuff up a little bit early tonight. But on Wednesday, don't forget we have Joe Cleon coming up. Nice. Joe Cleon, a lot of radio time in this town and all over the place, and also a huge rock, um, photographer. rock photographer, and he's doing an uh, event for animals, so we'll get into that, uh, so looking forward to have Joe Cleon on, on Wednesday, and uh, more of your messages, because nobody's calling, and we'll get things going in just a few, hang on. Hey, it's Seth from Mario's Barbershop in Parma, 7526 Broadview Road in the Pleasant Valley Shopping Center right next to Big Lots. You got to check out Mario, man. Great guy, does a lot for charities, but can perform miracles with hair. He even made me look clean cut. Does my hair, does a great job. Love talking to the guy while I'm sitting there. It's a great place to go. Local business. You got to go to Mario's Barbershop in Parma. Mario's Barbershop in Parma, 7526 Broadview Road. Again, in Parma, Pleasant Valley Shopping Center, right next to Big Lots. Or give them a call, 216-520-1977. That's 216-520-1977, Mario's Barbershop in Parma. Trust Joe's Lakewood Computer at 14035 Madison in Lakewood. They have over 30 years of professional service handling laptop and desktop repair services, virus removal, and data migration, and much more. You can trust them with hardware updates to your computer's memory and hard drive. Call 216-651-3880 
Whether you need a simple Windows install or you're interested in the latest computers for gaming, call Joe's Lakewood Computer at 216-651-3880. This is Tim Elkhorn, radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers for attorney Will Spiegelberg. Will Spiegelberg is not only a name you know, he's someone you can trust as your attorney no matter the circumstance. Will Spiegelberg is an attorney you can always count on. Will Spiegelberg is the attorney you should contact for all your legal work. When you need an attorney, call Will Spiegelberg at 216-233-4240. Attorney Will Spiegelberg, a great teammate. 216-233-4240. Right back here, the Seth Williams Show with Mike Jasoka. A good Monday evening to you. Uh, seems like a nice night outside. Yeah, it's really nice. So, you know, you got a nice drive. You'll have some time to maybe have a nice dinner before you go out there and... Uh, Tell I'm Chris going. I said get better. Yeah, I'm just going to pick something up and bring it home. Most likely a uh, turkey sub. Stay the hell out of McDonald's. Yeah, it's going to be a, a non-automated um, <laughs> place. So that's that's good. You know, I got to tell you something. I, and I'm tipping my hat, too, because I'm writing a bunch of new material for <clears throat> the show I got coming up in April. But I couldn't help when you sent me this story today, and you get the credit for it. You sent me this McDonald's story, and you know what it reminded me of? Maybe this is where the 10 years, 15 years between you and me make a difference. I hope not. But everybody listening should pay attention. Go look up and rewatch a movie called Soylent Green. You ever hear that movie? I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Here's the premise. There's two things um balancing and there's two storylines one of them is the whole wrestling and this was back in the 60s early 70s wrestling with euthanasia which was a concept that people should be able to determine when they die rather than just suffer and all that stuff uh there were things discussed about how if a couple spends 40 50 60 years together and they both get terminally ill. Do they have to just sit and and in in agony, or or can they hold hands and walk into this little parlor that has nice music and incense, and you can either watch a movie or listen to music, and lay on this big comfortable bed, and it'll fill up with something that might even get you a little bit high, but then eventually, while you're in the middle of that euphoria, kill you. And so all these people hold hands and they're going into this thing. Well, the other storyline that's going on is there's a famine. The population's gotten so big, we can't feed everybody on and on and on and on. So they have come up with this synthetic food called Soylent Green. And at the end of the movie, the hero, God, I wish I could remember who played the lead. It like Kirk Douglas or somebody. But anyway... The hero runs out at the end of the movie, and this is the movie ends at this moment. And everybody walked out of the theater just, oh, my God. But the last line of the movie is, Soylent Green is people. So that euthanasia factory, everybody's walking in to die, and then they were taking all the bodies and turning it into food, and that's what they uh but I swear to God, man, when there's nobody in that McDonald's, if they ever pulled something like that or made something plant-based or chemical-based that would guarantee that nobody would live past the age of 72, 75, 
if if they were able to engineer something like that happen, it would make this whole vaccine scare pale by comparison. Uh, somebody, they ate them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they were processed and bleached. It was some sort of green substance that you could make a burger out of or all that other stuff, just like your plant-based. Remember when we were having that discussion about climate change and I brought up the farmland thing that Bill Gates is, he wants to get everybody to go to plant-based meat. And you know what? It's going to happen. We're not going to discuss it. We're not going to have anything to do about it. And then it'll be here and people will go, well, you know, it's convenient. And real meat's $8, $18 a pound. And this stuff's only $4 a pound. So I'm going to switch. And that's what happens every time we're faced with an ethical dilemma. Whatever is cheapest wins out. Yeah, the problem is eating healthy isn't really cheap. Uh, I remember when Cory Booker and Kamala Harris were actually saying, don't eat meat. And I think it was because it was bad for the environment, like cow farts or whatever. But they were saying, don't eat meat. And they wanted to put, like, remake the food pyramid and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think then Kamala went out to, like, a steak grilling competition after, after right. to judge don't eat meat. Uh, but the more and more that I, I see what's going on, the more and more I think you probably are right. There are some big people with big money that are controlling a lot of this stuff where people like Biden ain't. People like yeah. Trump. Ain't. Ain't. You know, it's people behind the scenes. Thank you. With lots and lots of money. It's the George Soros of the world. It's Bill Gates of the world that are actually controlling a lot of stuff. And I don't know what their plan is. And they don't seem to go away. I, no. I, 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 you don't hear about either one of those guys getting sick. And I mean, and, they got to be 112 years old by now. How are they staying alive? And, and here's the thing, Seth. You said. We're never going to sit around and hold hands and sing Kumbaya and get everybody. To get, you're absolutely right at that. But there's nothing wrong with arguing for a more fair share or bigger slice of the pie. If that's the way the world's going and it's inevitable because there's very few shepherds and an awful lot of sheep in this world. If that's what has to happen to take care of everybody, at least let's guarantee that it doesn't have to be such a pain in the ass struggle. That's all I want for yeah, everybody. See, I think that where you and I disagree on that, I think there's a lot of people out there that make a hell of a good living, whether it's baseball players, football Not players, enough. or you know, politicians, whatever that that earns their money. People that you know, corporations like the guy that owns Walmart or whatever, earned their money. I don't like the guy, the scumbag uh, on Facebook, earned his money. Um, so I, I don't think that they should be sharing anything with me. I don't think Bill Gates. Owes okay, let me ask you anything. this. Um, but do I think that you know they have too much money that they control too much? Yeah, I think yeah. they probably do. But I don't think that I'm owed any of it. I think that's the difference between. I I don't think you're owed it. But when they decide how much money to make, they should carve a bigger piece out for the people that make the money for them, and that's everybody else like you and me. Well, I think a lot of the stuff that they're doing are eliminating. People like us, when it comes to jobs and technology and stuff yeah. like that. Well, look um, at look at Clear Channel as an example. All the sound engineers, all the producers, all the talent, all the people, all the sale, like you when you worked in that building in Independence. The ungodly amount of money Clear Channel made for being the number one in 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 in, in, in you could sacrifice smaller corporate shares to give everybody a five buck an hour raise. That wouldn't have busted the bank, and that wouldn't have fucked anybody. Oops, uh, messed anybody up either. 
Yeah, I, but I also, you know, I do believe that there should be a, a smaller wage for a wage scale. I mean, I don't think that you know people just starting out all of a sudden deserve fifteen, twenty dollars an hour. No, they, you know, I get that. There should be a small, there should be a scale and an increase as you go on yeah. throughout your career or whatever. But I think the problem that I have is you want you know people to share this money with kids that never worked before in their lives. I mean, when a kid is being paid $13, $14 an hour to sling hamburgers or ice cream, I think that's a problem. Um, you shouldn't get a living wage for doing we'll a do minimum wage kind of job. We'll do the math sometime. Uh, but yeah. here, the other thing I kind of disagree with you a little on, and, you know, it's the way it is, but it is something we're going to be discussing over time and an awful lot of issues I would agree with you, and you used Zuckerman and Facebook as the last example because he's first generation, so I will agree with you on that. Yeah, he did what he did and made his money, but between you and me, Zuckerman Jr. that inherits all of it, he didn't earn shit. Well, I mean, By the time we're talking about all these people now, the 11, 12 families that own... 98% of the world's money anyway, the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, the DuPonts, and on and on and on and on. They're, you know, fit. And Mike all of a sudden is gone. See, that's the Lord telling him that, uh, you know, his uh, thoughts on socialism aren't exactly the proper way to go. Some of the uh, texts we're getting just had this conversation an hour ago is housing developments going up everywhere because people don't want to farm anymore. The government gives them subsidies, not so they can control the food supply. All right, look, farming is a different industry altogether. There's a lot of people taking over the farm land, and the government's not exactly making it easy for farmers. Uh, so you know, I don't know what you're going to do there. Clear Channel, Billboard, Outdoor Media, Snap Face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, $15 an hour is one of the reasons inflation is out of control. Absolutely it is. You start paying these kids $15, $16 an hour uh, for doing minimum wage jobs, and you are definitely going to have inflation problems. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. And I hate to say that, you know, I, I worked with people that didn't deserve $15 an hour, and yet that's what they wanted. They thought they were entitled to it. You know, they thought they were... You know, they deserve that kind of money because they were in a radio business. Well, you didn't do anything. You haven't proven yourself. You haven't done anything in the industry at all uh, to earn that kind of money. And I, I don't understand why kids these days feel entitled to it. Uh, oh, man, LOL. The show is ending. Yeah, it is going to end shortly because I'm pulling uh, double duty. So I don't know if Mike will be back for the rest of it or not. They don't get sick or die because they are part of what is being done to our food and all medicine that we take as all these side effects that make us sick cause us to die. Look, I, I take a lot of medicine since I got out of the hospital with this leg thing. And so I take medicine all the time. And if you look up the side effects of the stuff that I'm taking, it's absolutely terrifying. And I worry every single day about... Uh, what I'm taking. By the way, farmers can't fix their own equipment because John Deere has locked down the tech on the machines. MT will make much more than minimum wage. And there should be people like that that make a lot more money. I don't like teachers, but I think that they should be 
paid more. I shouldn't say I don't like teachers. I don't like the way that colleges and professors these days are teaching more of an ideology than they are actual facts and and stuff like that. Um, like I'm saying, it says he's backstage. He's in the stream with audio only. Mike, can you hear me? Hello, Mike. Unmute your microphone. No, Mike is not there. Oh, well. I think the show is getting better. Uh, Mike disappeared because they don't like what he's saying. Absolutely, they don't like what he's saying. Well, he's preaching socialism. Uh, Joe Burdick. I'm here. What did I miss? A whole lot, Joe. But unfortunately, I'm going to be ending the show early. I can't recap everything. I'm going to be doing double duty tonight again if you missed it. Um, Chris Aiken presents. Chris Aiken presents 8 o'clock tonight. Look it up. I'm going to be uh, interviewing Winger, I think, at 8.30, and then Tesla at 9.15, along with Eric Ferentino's. Well, we interviewed Eric Ferentino's a couple weeks ago on the show. Good dude. Guitar player for Stephen Piercy from Brat. Um, so it should be a good time tonight. All right, I'm just going to wrap things up since Mike ain't here. And I got to go do all this stuff anyways. Thanks for listening tonight. I'll be posting the little John interview uh, sometime tomorrow. So you can look for that if you want to listen to it again. Share the show. One thing I, I want to get into real quick before uh, we go here. Facebook is making it impossible since we posted a meme about Hunter Biden uh, to get the show page seen on Facebook. It says that it is not recommending the page to anybody. Um, and so you can like it. You can look for it. but you And that's fine, but it will not recommend it out to people. So we need to take a stand against Facebook, share the page, share the, the post, share the broadcast. I don't care if you watch them again or don't watch them, whatever. But share everything uh, so we can kind of say screw it to that. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Thanks to little John for joining us. And uh, God willing, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday night, 5 p.m. Joe Cleon will be our guest. Thank you, too. Hey, it's Seth for Smoking Rock and Roll Food Trucks. You got to check them out, man. The food is just unbelievable. Mac and cheese is fantastic. The brisket, everything else is just to die for. You got to check out Smoking Rock and Roll. 605 Clay Parkway in Bay Village. You can give them a call 216-539-2239 to book a food truck. Uh, you know, find out where they're going to be at. They're going to be all over the place coming in, especially when the spring and summer hits. It's unbelievable food. They win awards all over the place. Run by my good friend uh, Billy Morris uh, and his friend Todd. They're good people, and they make great, great food. You got to check it out. Smoke and Rock and Roll. SmokeandRockandRoll.com. Guarantees and Signs has become your complete one-stop sign shop. Call Jimmy at 216-299-9344. Their friendly and professional staff can and will help you build your company brand and identity from start to finish. One-stop means you get a complete package from one location. Custom logo design, vehicle graphics, banners, t-shirts, storefront marquees, and so much more. Aaron T's and Signs, 4883 Turney Road. Call us at 216-299-9344. 
Hey, it's uh, for Audio Bay Studios in Bay Village. And now if you need a podcast done, you got a band, you got to record some stuff, Audio Bay Studios is the place to go. Train technicians, uh, good management there. I'm telling you, Audio Bay Studios has helped me out tremendously with my podcast. You want to go there, Audio Bay Studios, 605 Clay Parkway in Bay Village. It's right next to, or in the same building, I should say, as Smokin' Rock and Roll. Some of the best barbecue food trucks in town. The best barbecue food trucks in town. Tell me, you got to check out Audio Bay Studios. I know the guy, Chris Aiken. I know the guy, Billy Morris. They're good people. They take care of you. Audio Bay Studios, if you got a podcast that you want to start recording, Audio Bay Studios in Bay Village is the place to be. 605 Clegg Parkway. Give them a call. 216-713-0066. That's 216-713-0066. Yeah. <laughs>